The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook. Use promo code RTS and is brought to you by Body Bio Supplements for a Healthier Life. Get 20% off your first order at bio, bodybio.com with code RTRS20. SeatGeek, get $20 off your first order with promo code RTRS. And Stateside, Urban Craft Vodka, the official sponsor of the Corner 3 newsletter with Zoe. Get it at statesidevodka.com. On the show today, Nerlens Noel is suing Rich Paul, which is not a sixer story, but man, it is definitely a sixer story. Um, more Ben Simmons gym videos. The Sixers re-signed the great Haywood Highsmith to an Exhibit 10 deal. Dame Lillard maybe doesn't even want to be in Philly. And what the hell is it actually like to win a championship? Frank Madden of Locked On Bucks and Brew Hoop will join us to tell us. I mentioned stateside urban craft vodka. I'm drinking my Black Label bourbon out of one of these stateside rocks glasses. When you make your first order from stateside, you get one of these for free. You also get the vodka sodas as well. The vodka is the highest quality and from Philadelphia and it is kosher, and there is no gluten whatsoever. Uh, statesidevodka.com. That is statesidevodka.com. What were you going to say? That sounded like you were going to say something. Statesidevodka.com. And to sign up for the newsletter, writes to rickysanchez.com slash newsletter. That was normal breathing, but I do like Stateside okay. Vodka. It's the best. Without any further ado, Amos and the chef. Welcome to the Rice Ricky Sanchez. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy that always plays his table read energy just right. That is Mike Levin. Hello. Young yeah. Rock season two. Get excited. Actually, Doogie Hauser or Doogie Kamealoha season one coming out a uh, couple weeks, I think. You got a lot of shit going on. Man. A lot of shit going on. A couple weeks on Disney Plus. Family show, lovely show, Hawaii, beautiful. I am, of course, old enough to remember the original boot of yeah. Doogie Howser. We, we watched a bunch of those. That show was enormous. What I remember the best, just that would date it the most, is his journal or whatever that was mm -hmm. in the opening credits that was probably on an Apple IIe or something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. yeah, a lot of jokes about that journal, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and you know, we just played Amos Lee. Amos does our Amos and Jaronalewski does his um, his uh, is his musical uh, director, but does our intro song Amos on the road with Mootlu. And Amos's new song is really great. So uh, Amos and Mootlu are touring in September. Obviously, we are big fans of them both. So uh, go to see Kiki at tickets, obviously. But um, but they're on tour. It's good to see them doing their their thing again. Speaking of doing their thing. You know, Sixers, 
I feel like obviously the last eight years have been a lot. There have been a lot of great stories, but I love when something like this, the Nerlens and Rich Paul story, just ends up weaved in to the nonsense. It's like it's an off-season side story. It doesn't actually involve any current Sixers, but it is still obviously connected to what we do. No, it's very nice. It's very similar to it. It feels like it's, you know, like you have this big hit show that has all these huge storylines. And then like you get a couple things for the DVD extras. Like mm-hmm. this, this is definitely like a DVD extra storyline that would never make it onto the real show. It's not that important, but you want it for the for the real for the real heads out there. You want a little webisode about what about, hey, why didn't they ever resign Nerlens? Oh, it's because his agent didn't answer the phone. OK, cool. Great. By the way, the most powerful agent in, in probably in the NBA. So so courtesy of sports agent blog. Uh, My favorite passages. blog. Yeah. And well, people say blogs are dead, but I love sports agent blog. It gives me all the business hits I need. Check it every day. Uh, reputable stuff. Heard of it before, for sure. Um, all the stuff. I trust it with my life. Keep going. Sorry. All right. Sorry. Uh, where is it? Where is it? I got it. Okay. So courtesy of Sports Agent Blog, Paul, who represents the likes of LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Trey Young, Draymond Green, Ben Simmons, is alleged to have interfered with Noel's pre-existing relationship with Happy Walters, who had represented Noel after he was drafted into the NBA from the University of Kentucky in 2013. The complaint says that Paul, knowing that Noel was represented by Walters in 2017, told Noel that he was, quote, a hundred million dollar man and that Paul could get Noel a max deal if he terminated his relationship with Walters. The funny thing, we all remember this, right? Like we remember them offering him $70 million or whatever it is. That was Dallas, Uh, right? Yes, it was Dallas. So this all allegedly went down at Simmons' birthday party in Los Angeles, where Paul was sitting next to Noel during the dinner portion of the event. Following the party, Noel parted ways with Walters and signed a standard player agent contract with Paul. Noel also purportedly took Paul's advice and ended prior ongoing negotiations with the Dallas Mavericks that would have paid him $70 million over four years in favor of acquiring a single-year $4.1 million uh, qualifying offer with the intention of later seeking a max deal on the free agent market. Paul earned a 4% commission on the qualifying offer. During the free agent season, and this is quote, which began on July 1st, 2018, and after Noel's one-year contract with Dallas expired, neither Paul nor anyone at Clutch Sports presented any real proposals to Noel in terms of strategies or ideas on how Noel might secure a long-term contract or even a significant contract for the following season, states the complaint. Indeed, as the 2018 free agent season began, no real offers or deals were presented to Noel on the first day of free agency. Noel says that Paul had nothing to do with Noel then signing with the Oklahoma City Thunder and that instead, Russell Westbrook and Paul George recruited him to join them for the franchise, obviously the third in the big three. Noel signed a two-year, $3.75 million league minimum deal with the team. Now, here is the amazing Sixers connection, which could have changed the course of history. Noel allegedly learned from Brett Brown who was coaching the Philadelphia 76ers at the time, that the 76ers front office had been trying to contact Paul to discuss a potential deal and that Paul refused to respond. This was purportedly the case with the other team representatives who were reaching out as well. Eventually, Noel says that he contemplated terminating his representation 
relationship with Clutch. However, he was persuaded by Lucas Newton of the company that they were working on a three-year deal with the Thunder that would compensate Noel to the tune of 7 to $10 million annually. Thus, Noel decided to stay in place. Then free agency hit. The first day was quiet. Noel said he later learned that representatives from the Houston Rockets and Los Angeles Clippers wanted to discuss opportunities with Paul, but they could not make contact. So I think that First of all, it's important to know that Brett was not only the coach at this time, Brett was also sort of the interim GM. It was him and uh, uh, then minority owner... Um, David Heller? David Heller. Um, yeah, I mean, it sucks for him. It's it's a happier ending because he did get paid this offseason, so good for New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it would Thanks. have been more of a bummer if it if it was not the case. Um, yeah, I mean, you, it's... You know, there's obviously other storylines in this for him as a guy, but and as a and his career. But like, man, if Nerlens was backing up Joel during the Toronto series mm-hmm. when they were like, what was it, plus ninety, minus one hundred five yep. without him? You mean instead of Greg Monroe? Instead of Greg Monroe, instead of yeah. Amir Johnson, instead of Boban. Not none of those guys seem like bad guys, but I much rather would have had. Uh, New Orleans. And it's, it's funny because it, they had to wait until after Colangelo was gone because Brian did not like New Orleans. It seemed mm-hmm. very clear that there was animosity there or he just wanted to be like, that's Sam's guy. Like I'm getting, I'm getting out of here. And so as soon as, as soon as Brian got, you know, got caught doing what he did, uh, which was what for the, for the uninitiated, I, I who can remember at this point, um, it's 17 storylines ago, but the, uh, they had to wait until he was gone before they extended the offer to New Orleans for him to come back. And then we talked about it. We, we definitely talked about it at that time of like, he should come back. It'd be perfect. Him backing up to would be so nice, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Would have been great. Would have changed the course of history. Rich Paul not answering his phone. Um, what the fuck is Rich Paul doing? You know, like, I wonder how much of this is true. And I wonder how much of it is real. Like, I wonder if it's one of those things where they signed Noel, they thought it was going to be a big deal and ended up not being a big deal. So he just like didn't pay attention. It's a hard job to have a lot of different clients and work them all, you know, like I. Well, I I mean, a lot those guys are not the day to day on those agents, you know, on, on those players rather like the you have a big agent and then you're like lower level agent that does the actual like meat of the work. And then the bigger agent comes in to be like, all right, now I'm going to, now there's some heft behind it. Well, not if we're talking about a max deal. I don't think so. Yeah. That's the, but that's the, like, that's the heft. I don't think the, like, I don't think there's, you know, at least in, in the, in the entertainment side of things, there's the like, you know, smaller calls that happen on the day to day. And then there's the like, Hey man, like deliver now. Um, there's certainly been times when I've been pissed off my agent. So like sometimes they get a call, sometimes they don't answer, whatever, fuck it. Your um, agent tells, just tells Mike, no, 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 that's for the other guy to handle. It's and somebody else does it. <laughs> yeah. But that is, that is the usually like, you know, when I was at an agency, we have since fired that agency, but like you have the upper level person and then the like more junior, uh, younger and hungry type of things. But in, in Rich Paul's defense, like, if I'm getting a call from a Sixers front office, who the fuck is in charge? I don't know. At that time, could have been anybody. Could have been a prank call. Well, well I would not also, have known. 
the I would Clippers not have known the, to not think it was a prank call. The Clippers, and, the Clippers and the Rockets apparently too could not get a hold of Rich Paul. Oh, really? That part, that as well? Yeah. I don't know, man. That's weird. I I feel for Nerlens, and I would definitely want some uh, compensation for for that. That is his agent is like a unlike business manager, which is a little more nebulous. Like agent is like a very like legal yes position, mm-hmm. and there are things that they like have to do. And if they don't do them in a certain way, then they, there is uh, consequences. So good for Nerlens. I hope, I hope he gets his money. I mean, Rich Paul's got enough money. He could at least give him some. Come on. I don't don't think Nerlens is going to win, but I'm glad he's suing him. You don't think he's going to win? No, no. I hope he does. You you can't sue somebody for being a bad agent. You can, you can sue someone for qualified immunity. It's for failing. At least you can sue them for like, maybe there's a settling situation where you go like, Hey man, you got me a shitty deal. You never delivered on this other thing rather than go through all this litigation. Just give me my like commission back or something. I don't think um, it's going to happen. I, don't I think he should get something. And I, I would, well, if I'm rich should. Paul, I would just want this like settled and taken care of and not out in the public eye for a while of him, of him getting a bad reputation that he like treats his clients poorly. I think they, they come to an agreement out, out of court and they can they can move on because Nerlens deserves something to not if 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 it's real that those people say like yeah I called he didn't answer and then he had to take this four million dollar whatever then qualifying offer then like he absolutely should get something absolutely should yeah I but he I don't think he will but we'll see I like I I don't think these other teams are going to testify that fucking Rich Paul didn't return their call because they're all terrified of him anyway. Um, we love emails about our sponsors. This one came from Justin. Now, Justin was a, uh, we talked to Justin a while ago. He was, he is in the military. His house burned down, if you remember. Um, and the, the Sixers took care of him once, gave him a nice night out. Justin sent us a note about Body Bio. Wanted to give a shout out to our friends at Body Bio. My girlfriend has been struggling with anxiety for a while. It was getting worse the last few months, along with some depressive outbreaks. She was trying to look for ways to control her anxious outbreaks and be more positive. So I went and picked up some Calm from Body Bio's website. She decided to give it a try since it's natural, and she loved the, quote, take the edge off benefit it gave her. She now uses the Calm, the Elite, and the liposomal vitamin C. I've been taking Calm as well, and I find it great. I took heavy depressants for antidepressants for years, perks of the war, and now I know what it uh, and I know what shitty medication feels like. Calm is the opposite of that. So thank you, Justin. Great to hear from you. Body Bio, he mentioned liposomal vitamin C. Very quickly, you take a vitamin C supplement, it's water soluble, you piss most of it out. It's not good. You you see on the back how much vitamin C is in it. Your body's not actually getting that vitamin C in it. So Body Bio made liposomal vitamin C which actually like bonds to your cells and goes right into your cells and is not water soluble. So you're getting all the vitamin C. It's, it's very important for your immune system of vitamin C, very important for like your regular health. We love Body Bio. They're family owned, family operated. They, they support our podcast, our local company. And uh, great shit, man. RTRS20 is the code for 20% off anything at bodybio.com. That is RTRS20. For 20% off anything at bodybio.com. Bodybio.com. All right. Um, <laughs> I wrote this wrong in my in my notes. My notes say, I, I guess this proves who is in whose head. Sixers signed JJ Reddick to an exhibit 10 deal. That's not actually what happened. Sixers signed uh uh um 
I always say his name fake, Haywood Highsmith to an yeah. Exhibit 10 deal. Um, eh, I like his name. I liked him when he played. I'm glad that Haywood Highsmith is still in the system. Totally fine. A, to- a total Mike O'Connor guy in the sense that uh, low value 3 and D guys or low cost 3 and D guys. Why not see if he can become a, uh, a Royce O'Neal type? He's pretty big. He shoots hot. He's been on the pod before from the uh, mm-hmm. from the uh, Blue Coats game. That's right. Um, I forgot about that. And and good for him. And honestly, JJ is currently unsigned, so mm. maybe they should offer him an Exhibit Ten deal. By the way, a lot of emails about the tickets. Obviously, we have twenty tickets to JJ Reddick's Old Man and the Three live pod in Brooklyn on September twenty second. It's sold out. We have twenty tickets. A lot of emails and direct messages interested in the tickets. But no one making any offers, you know, no one saying what should happen. Some people offered to donate to charity, you know, yada, 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 why they should be the one. We're still looking for how we're going to give away these tickets. But obviously, there are plenty of people that would like to go. Would love to sign JJ to an Exhibit 10 deal. Um, So there was a, a Dame Lillard sort of like two small updates this week. One came from Sam Amick who is on Howard Beck's crossover podcast. I really think we missed the mark not naming our podcast after something very basic basketball-like crossover, like the triple-double or the out-of-bounds or... Dribble time. Yeah. Pass <laughs> pass and cut and defend. The dribble time. Welcome to the dribble time pod. Says Sam Amick, bottom line... I don't think Dame looks out there and sees a place that he wants more than he currently has in Portland that is feasible because he knows how this league works. He knows he's not totally in control here. He's under contract for several more years. I don't know where Ben goes. The question was who's going to get traded at first. It was like Ben, Dame, or or Beal. I don't know where Ben goes. I think Daryl Morey would love nothing more than, you know, Ben going to Portland and Damian Lillard coming back his way. I think if Damien wanted that, it would have happened already. I think it's a, I think that's a fair point. It is. You know, I I mentioned a couple of times that I thought there was this possibility that neither Dame Lillard nor Bradley Beal like really honestly wanted to go anywhere else. I do think it's possible. I don't know if you saw the quote from Lillard who said they asked him if he was going to be in Portland and he's like, I'm going to be in Portland for now or something like that. I do think it's possible this is a a Harden like situation where he plays the first six games of the year with Portland. It's obvious that they're not a title contender and the the demand comes right away. I almost think it's possible he doesn't want to feel like he got like bullied into doing this or that or like, you know, because it started leaking out. I think it was Henry Abbott that said that he was definitely going to demand a trade. I think there's like possible that he doesn't want to make it sound like anybody knew anything and maybe he wants to try it, but I think this could be like a second week of the year trade demand. Yeah, maybe there was Chris Haynes stuff um, around then also. I forget who, who had it first, but there was like various whispers and stuff. I think it's a decent point. I think uh, he's going to go eventually. He, he's going to go. It seems like the way people talk about it, it seems like he would probably prefer to go to the Knicks, but and with the idea that, oh, once I'm in New York, then I'll be able to recruit guys there in a way that I haven't been mm-hmm. in Portland, which I get. But man, also if I'm if I'm Portland, like, 
any offer the Knicks send me, it's not enough. They're not enough good players that they would send. And and Knicks fans are like, maybe we send RJ or maybe he's off limits. And it's just like, dude, like, who are you sent? What is it going to be? What is the offer? And they just don't have that much. And so the Sixers well, but, trade but, offer is way, 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 way better. But you say that. I, I don't agree. I don't agree. Only because I don't think, I think the only main difference, because basically we're just talking about draft picks. The, the only main difference is RJ Barrett or Ben Simmons. And yeah, it's, like, it's not close. Ben Simmons is a much better player. He's a much better player, but he's also making $30 million. That's fair. Like, and, and he's just coming off of a, like, and, and he's a, a focal point in a, in a, maybe he won't be in a bad way at some point, but he's a focal point in a bad way right now. And I could make the argument that if I'm rebuilding, I would rather have RJ Barrett on a rookie contract than Ben Simmons on a, on the second year of a, a max extension or whatever. Like I, I don't know. I, I think that if that's the main difference, we already saw that story, right? Like we saw that story with Houston. And Houston decided, like, eh, you know, I, I just, I think. But it's I think, but I think that's what this. Deeper. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you that they might want to rebuild. I think that's what Portland ultimately decided to do, just like a full rebuild. But I think the benefit of the Sixers deal is that you can both get Ben, and also, and you can rehabilitate his image and make him and and have him surrounded like an actual stretch five and and more ball handlers, whatever the fuck you want to put around him um and also get a maxi uh, a number of picks whatever whoever whoever else you like in the thing um in a sixers package the way that you kind of can in the, in the Knicks package also the Knicks contractually since they just re-signed a bunch yes. of their guys it will be they don't, challenging it, it would well they have to wait essentially yeah. Yeah. to uh for that deal to happen until like i think december um because you can't once you re-sign a player, you can't trade him for X amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think Maxi is more valuable than Quickly? I do. Yeah, I think I think Quickly is a really good player. I liked him coming out of college. I think he's just like a really excellent shooter. Um, I think Maxi has has significantly more upside um, at, in a level of like you know starting point guard on a really good team upside. Whereas Quickly, I think is is just like. I think he could be a starting player. I think he's he he he's long. He defends, um, or will defend. I think when he gets older, um, he's a good shooter has a little touch on that floater. But like he's not as dynamic of a player. I don't find um, as Maxi, and and hasn't shown how like Maxi's growth from year from beginning year to end of the year into summer league was I think sizable um, in a way that quickly is just like he's an NBA player for sure, but. Um, I think I think you can see you can see Maxi blossoming more, which is what you'd want as a um, if, if you do decide to rebuild. Hmm. Yeah, i I think the big I think the more of a challenge with New York, aside from having to wait, is like that there isn't there isn't a obvious path to a second star, and totally the, the and the the Philly. The Philly thing is too. The Philly thing, obviously, and beat is there, which is a big deal. But I, I do think, you know, I was I was at I spent a day at WIP today, and I was talking to the midday show about it, and they said they asked, "Well, isn't isn't Philadelphia a great situation for Lillard?" And I said, "If he hated his situation in Portland, 
it is an attractive situation. But I don't know that it is a situation that you look at it and you go, that's perfect. I got to get there. So I think it's better than the Knicks situation, but I also don't think it's a situation that you leave somewhere that you're happy to go, maybe, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think, I do think it's a relatively perfect situation for him. I mean, as far as like on court, I obviously don't know what he wants out of life and location and all that stuff. Um, I think him and Embiid is, is better than anything he can probably draw to New York in the short term. Like say he gets there, the Knicks don't have any, if, if they trade for Dame, then they don't have any, especially say they trade for Dame in December. Mm-hmm. They trade for Dame in December. They trade everything that they have. RJ quickly rookies picks, whatever. Then they turn around and go like, well, we want to go get somebody f- with Dame. And it's like, well, who, what are they trading for that? No one's just going to be like, here, here you go. Even the Lakers had to give up their whole package for AD, even, even when they want it there. There's nobody else to trade. If they say free agency, there's just not that much happening in free agency. There's people, they're, players aren't waiting until free agency to get to where they want to get to. They're doing it. They're using the leverage Early. that they have while they're still under contract. And you look at next year's free agent. This year's free agency was pretty a, a very dud as far as like guys changing teams in free agency, uh, high level guys. And next year, it's it's not that much. Else. I think it's Levine and Beal, the same guys we're talking about. So unless unless you think it's Brad Brad Beal, which is like is is Dame Beal and Julius Randle a championship contender? I probably not. Um, and there's not many other guys. It, it has to be Beal there because I think, as we've discussed, Levine is probably going to resign in Chicago. So I, I don't know. I, I think if I'm Dame, I come here and and do the be like Iverson's successor as a little guy. Him and Embiid, they do so such different things. You're going to have a center who can also shoot and also defend, which is which uh, Portland has not had. You got a fan base who is so excited to have you there. You got defenders and wings that are willing to shoot outside of it. Like, it just seems like the right situation. I don't know if he does, maybe he doesn't like doc. Like if he doesn't like doc, then that's one thing. Like there's things that we don't know, but I think as far as on court fit and like cultural fit, like in within the city, like it would be, it would be perfect. And I think New York, it's like a lot of ifs. Whereas in Philly, it's just like, come be the guy with Joel, win a championship. Hmm. Yeah. Um, we got a question. Obviously, we're doing the show live on YouTube and Twitch. This is a, a YouTube question from Thomas Bryant. Spike, you said this morning that there's a- Thomas Bryant. Th- Thomas Bryant from the Wizards. Uh, you said this morning that there was a, I, and I've said this on the pod before, I, I think I said one, less than 1% chance. This morning, you said there is a 1 million percent chance that Ben never plays again for the Sixers. Why are you so confident when people with sources like Jake Fisher think it's a toss-up? Well, um, look- Jake Fisher is leveraged by his sources and I am not. So like Jake Fisher is says not that the Jake Fisher's information isn't real, but sometimes Jake Fisher says things to try to sway something because he's getting the information from somebody. I am telling you, Ben Simmons is not going to play for the Sixers again. I, I it's obviously possible that they get to camp or the first game and he hasn't been traded yet, but he's never going to play for the Sixers again. He's not. Get it out of your mind. It's over. It's not happening. So 
Um, you know, like I said, 0.00001% chance that he ever plays for the Sixers again. It just seems be, like in the benefit for everybody for it to just yeah. not happen. Like everybody's ready to move on. Yeah. Nobody wants him. Ben doesn't want to be here anymore. Nobody else wants them to be here. I think like the narrative that Joel and Doc both like threw him under the bus. I think that's that's wrong. I think Doc maybe could well, have Doc done it. it. Doc definitely could have done it in a way that is less, especially the like, can he be the point guard on a, on a yeah, what a championship team? I thought Bears, that was, just lie. You can totally just lie, but like Joel being he, like he lied all year. Mike he, he lied, lied, he lied all, all year. year. Nothing changed from like one moment to the next. Like he that that felt like a real like lift, like dropping the veil kind yeah. of moment. He shouldn't have done it. I. Doc, you could argue like, fuck that guy. I, I get that. Joel, I don't think threw him under the bus. Yeah, I think jo- he's just like, it felt weird when this one thing happened. Um, so. By the way, it wasn't the first time that Joel has, has like non-naming singled out Ben in certain things. Like it's not, it wasn't the first time that that had happened. I think that the thing that was so stunning about Doc Rivers is that he had been on the other side of that conversation all year. And, um, and then he, he did that after the series. So, um, before we get to, uh, Frank, do you want to let Frank know to come on or no? Uh, I think you should be in any minute. Oh, okay. Well then we'll talk about draft. So I was looking at futures on DraftKings. I was looking at NBA futures and these odds have shifted since yesterday. The, Conference winner to win the Eastern Conference on DraftKings. The Nets are plus 105, not a surprise. The Bucks plus 380, not a lot of respect for the defending champs. Sixers plus 700, and the Heat plus 1,000, Hawks plus 1,600. Yesterday, the Heat were plus 1,300, and the Sixers were plus 700. I was kind of shocked that with all going on around the Sixers, that they still remained in that third spot so clearly above the Hawks. Uh, the Heat and the Celtics. Yeah, it feels like a hedge against a big trade. Um, right. I'm surprised that the Heat are so low. When I was in, I was in Vegas last weekend um, for SummerSlam with the Young Rock writing staff, mm. um, and I saw that the Heat were, th- at least at the book I was at, was 35 to one, which I was like, that's pretty good. Oh, for the title. Um, for the title. So this is the conference. The title. The Heat are a plus t- t- 2,800. Okay. So yeah, it's wow. kind of a bit, but yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little surprised. Maybe Vegas yeah. just isn't as high on them. Maybe they think like a little old, probably not going to hold up that long. But there's a lot of good players on that team. Um, interesting. Football is right around the corner. Get into the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. With the NFL returning, DraftKings gives customers $200 in free bets instantly when you bet one dollar or more on any football game. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook, the app, right now. Place a bet of a dollar or more on any week, one game, to receive $200 in free bets instantly. And they didn't forget about current customers. We're already talking about new customers, current customers. All customers can participate in DraftKings Week 1 no-brainer for opening night. All customers. That's even Ricky people who have already joined DraftKings can double their money as long as Tampa Bay doesn't lose by 74 points. They will. Wow, what a uh, DraftKings fucking everyone as the they will. as the Bucks lose by 77 points. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code RTRS to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. 
Uh, that is promo code RTRS to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or old, older, New Jersey, Indiana, or PA only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Uh, Frank is there. Audio only, but Frank is... Oh, no, there's Frank Madden. No, fuck, he's got video and everything. Holy shit. Hi, Frank. Guys, uh... So I'm I'm a prisoner in my own house here. I have a new puppy who's like eight weeks old who's who's take taken over the downstairs of my house. I have uh, a three and a half year old who's uh, one room over. So uh, if we get too loud, um, all hell's gonna break loose in my house. Okay. But um, but I'm I'm doing well. It's lovely to see you, gentlemen, again. And uh, hopefully my my audio video situation will hold up here. Yeah. Did uh, you buy? Did you did you get the puppy? After the championship, <laughs> is it a championship puppy? Yes, it's it. it I, technically, it's a championship puppy. It was my wife's idea, oh my and my wife is a is a Houston Rockets fan. She's from Houston, so I don't know. She wasn't really. She was celebrating Jalen Green summer summer league or something. I don't know. Um, Alperin Sengun, very excited about the Alperin Sengun pick, and that's uh, the puppy's name, obviously. Th- yes, yeah, Alpi, Alpi, yeah, um, exactly. So, uh, yeah, technically, technically a. A championship puppy, I guess. Uh, wow. But but yeah, uh, you know. And for anyone who just tuned in, obviously we're you're recording this. Uh, rec- you listen to this recorded. You know who this is. But if you're live, uh, Frank of Lockdown Bucks and uh, True Hoop, or no, Brew Hoop rather, right. Brew Hoop related to True Hoop, and that it rhymes with it. <laughs> that's the only relation. Um, so here's can I, I'm going to start with a big picture question on the box first of all congratulations I think congratulations this, this was the first sports championship in the last 20 years that everyone at the same time went hey you know what yeah that's fine that's fine <laughs> like no one was mad no one was talking shit so congratulations on that I my my big question is is there that significant a difference between the Bucks of this year compared to the previous two years, or was the situation with? And I'm not saying that they won because other teams got hurt, but like, is it that significant a difference in this team, or was the the path and the situation around them just more favorable? I mean, I guess the the cop out answer would be both, but um, you know, I, I think. The two obvious big differences, I mean, obviously Drew Holiday instead of Eric Bledsoe is is obviously a, a huge, huge difference. Um, I think you can still make the case that the 2019 team was was top to bottom, the most talented overall team that that they ha- had. And, you know, the irony was, you know, in the in the last games of that series against the Raptors, I think they played only like seven or eight guys because like, I mean, Miritich was literally benched like the dude like did not get off the pine in the last games. Um, but you know, when you factor in Brogdon and, and Miritich being there, um, you know, arguably you could say that was a more talented team than the one they had this year, which was clearly not deep, right. Especially with DiVincenzo out, um, and, you know, really going seven and a half deep, uh, it felt like in most games, I mean, you know, Bobby Portis didn't even play basically in the net series. So, um, I think there was, you know, I, I, and you guys can probably relate to this, right? Like I look back at the 2019 series against the Raptors and they lose game three in double overtime 
Chris Milton had a shot to win that game. It wasn't like an, an easy shot, but you know, he misses a shot at the buzzer. I think of regulation, if I remember correctly, or maybe it was end of first OT. And if they go up three, nothing, I mean, who knows, right? Maybe they win a championship that year. You just never know. And I think with this year, I mean, just the roller coaster ride of it all, um, there was nothing inevitable, obviously, about this championship. There was obviously they got breaks, whether it was injuries, whether it was guys creating their own luck to an extent, making big shots. Um, and, you know, I my philosophy on the playoffs has always been that it's a series of small sample sizes and stuff can happen. And, you know, a guy has an awesome series in the first round and then he's crap the next two rounds and who knows, maybe that guy is then awesome in the finals. If you get that far, you just, it's just hard to really, you know, kind of predict what exactly is going to happen. And I think, um, you know, I'm sure you guys feel the same way about that 2019 series because against the Raptors, obviously the Kawhi shot, you know, who knows, right. Sliding doors, 99 times out of a hundred, that shot doesn't go in the way it does. And then what happens? Sorry. To Thanks for the up. reminder. But Mike, thanks. Mike, you'd be like, oh, well, might've been look, but, um, but I don't know. I, I, I would say, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, your team wins a championship. It's like, okay, your name's in that book forever and they can't take it away from you. But, you know, so many things have to go right to win any given year. And of course there's some teams like, you know, some of the Durant warrior teams, like, of course there felt, there was just sort of an air of inevitability around those teams. But for the most part, I mean, it's hard. I mean, it's just so hard to win a championship. I think probably the previous years probably formed, you know, some of the experience that, that allowed them to do what they did this year. Like I think Budenholzer doesn't coach that way two years ago, you know, the flexibility that he showed as far as going to switching some of that stuff. Um, so I think in some ways they probably had to lose those first two years in order to kind of get over the hump this year. But again, they could have easily lost against the Nets, of course. Um, but you know, they found a way that series and, they kind of continue to find the way um, throughout the playoffs. And, you know, I think that's what kind of makes, in a way it makes this, this playoffs like more fun in a lot of ways. And, and um, it's, I don't want to say that more, more meaningful, maybe not the right way to frame it. Cause of course everybody wants, you know, the 16 and one play, playoff run and just dominance. But um, you know, and we could talk about, it. I mean, just again, the ups, the ups and downs that I think Bucks fans felt in a lot of ways made this like more of a payoff sort of when they ultimately did win. And, yeah. you know, again, that that's just a really cool kind of way and thing that we can look back to, you know, when you, when you, from, from sort of the perspective of Bucks fans, you know, just the fact that like when Giannis goes down in that Hawk series, like, I mean, literally like that, that felt like a near death experience from a sports perspective. And then, you know, a few weeks later to be, you know, seeing him have an all times finals and win a championship. It's just, just kind of crazy. Yeah. The reason, so Frank, I've always felt a kinship to you personally, because I think you're a great, great guy. Um, and I think that you view your fandom, uh, in the same way, similar way that I view mine, uh, which is negatively. Um, and, uh, you know, we had our summer league experiences and watched some, some bad basketball and, and bonded that way. But like, you are now on the other side of it. Like you are on the side of the people who win. And obviously we have some with the Eagles and Phillies, but like the bulk of my, you know, personality is more defined by the fucking Sixers. And, and so trying to figure out like the amount of time that you put into the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, some would say, uh, <laughs> <laughs> a bad decision for a lot of that. Okay. 
<laughs> to now to now to like be rewarded with with like a championship of a homegrown very likable superstar who decided to stay um and 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 then you win in 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 ways like you said like coming back from deficits and adversity and injury and all this other stuff like did it feel like for you as a as a fan but like as like a, a you know because you're also more involved like a, a, I don't know, special fan. Like, I don't. What do you call yourself? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say but, I'm like a. I'm not a journalist. That's, that's no. But that's like somewhere in time, I like. Yeah. There's no good term for it. But yeah. like an important fan. Do you feel like? Did it feel like how you thought it was going to feel? I would say yes. Um, wow. It did. Um, I, th- I think that the, the weird part about the the sort of the evolution of of kind of I think the way a lot of Bucks fans processed it was, you know, with Giannis going down it was like, well, we can still beat the Hawks, but the Suns have been playing very well. Again, should the Suns have even gotten past the first round? Of course, you can argue they were lucky to get past the first round. Um, But they looked really good going into the finals. And I mean, with Giannis and the question mark about, you know, is he going to come back for game three? Maybe, I don't know. Um, I mean, my view coming into the series is there's no way you could pick the Bucks in an objective, like anybody objectively looking at this series cannot pick the Bucks, just given just all those uncertainties. And um, so it was just sort of a weird situation because it's like this once in a lifetime, you know, of course, with all the stuff that's happened in, in, both, in both sides of the bracket, but with all these things that have happened, you get this chance. Okay, you take care of the Hawks. Awesome. This tremendous relief, you know. As a fan, it felt awesome that, you know, Drew and Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis, all these guys step up and, you know, like fulfill that that part of the script. Right. I mean, you of all people appreciate a good script. I think this was a corny script. If you showed me this as a sports story, it'd be like, no, come on. The, the guy, the star, superstar is going to look like he's broken his leg. And then, you know, like it, it almost was like kind of too too rich to to believe from a storyline perspective like um, the eagles super bowl by the way like <laughs> the eagles super bowl was a similar thing you know what i yeah. mean like it yeah. you know that i think that i'm um, sorry to interrupt but that's what it reminded me of like that you you could you just couldn't write it that way it yeah. wouldn't seem realistic right right it was like when is when is mark Wahlberg gonna you know pick right. up a fumble and return or whatever um so uh so yeah it, it was so strange because there really it was weird expectations going into the finals um, and so, and then they go down two zero, and I was like, well, yeah, I mean, like they're on the road, they've been really bad starting all these series, Giannis, you know, game one, I was like, well, geez, thank God he's just even out there. But then game two, and he puts together an incredible game two. I was like, Hmm, interesting, interesting. So he's <laughs> apparently back. Um, but you know, game, game three and game four, um, I think, I think it was really game for when they came back and won and after after trying out that 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 was probably in, in, in weird ways that was maybe like the most tense i was all series because then it kind of felt like oh crap like it's tied now like this is you know just best of three and we have the best player in this series right like and that it felt like it was fundamentally different and so actually after game four i bought tickets to game six and i said all right if they lose game five i'm probably not because i live in austin texas i said i'm probably not going to fly back if they're down three, two and have a chance just to tie. But I said, if they, if they have a chance to win this series, I have to fly back. I just have to, I mean, my, my dad got a season tickets in 1992 when I was 11, you know, it just was like too much of a full circle type type thing. So I'm watching game five, you know, in my, 
bedroom, my wife has, has some friends over, including some of my friends who I'm literally ignoring all nights on a Saturday to watch this basketball game. And they know that I'm just being Absolutely. like unsu- insufferably weird. Veteran and, move. You know, a veteran stressed. move for sure. Yeah. And uh, so I'm watching the game five, you know, literally just sort of hold up by myself, um, you know, a thousand miles away. And, um, you know, my belief is kind of like building and building. It's like, oh my God, this is happening. And of course it got way more dramatic at the end, but just, you know, after the Giannis block and then after the alley, you know, the steal and the alley, it was just felt like, I mean, this is just, the stars are aligning. It just felt like, oh my God, this, this is happening. And of course then the, the two days between like, since most of the games had two days between those felt like, like eternities. It was just like, oh my God, just, yeah, let's just play this, play this game. And then game six, I fly in, I get in because of various th- reasons. I get in at 3am into Milwaukee the day of game six. Um, my dad, who's, who's, he's 81 years old. He's still very, very physically fit, but he's had some balance issues. Um, so he was actually uncertain because my seats sucked, right? Like they're literally the worst seats <laughs> I've ever had for a Bucks game. And by far the most I've ever paid for Bucks tickets. Um, I'm in the second deck in the end zone, basically last row of the, the end zone. And he was just like, I don't know if I should go like, you know, big crowds, whatever. And I'm just like, dad, you know, we got to do this, you know? And, um, so he ends up saying, yeah, let's go. So we go. And I mean, the crowds obviously outside the game were enormous. I mean, you guys saw it on TV. Um, and it was just weird. I mean, I, I, I kind of had this feeling of like almost dread, you know, like when, when Brandon Jennings, I see Brandon Jennings there, it was like, Oh my God, like (laughs) this is like, like the karma is going to be horrendous. Like if if they lose this, like it was just like, Oh my God. You know? Yeah. Various old um, bucks, monsters of the past, like creeping their way through the door and just slam the closet shut on them. Yeah. And it just felt like, you know, everything in the one way was sort of aligning for, for this, you know, crowning moment. Um, and Giannis, you know, Giannis becoming kind of the darling of the playoffs press conferences and just obviously his overall play. It was like, okay, this is, this is, you know, these are Giannis's playoffs and they're literally like just right there for, for them to take. And of course, you know, I had, I've had for long periods in, in year for years have had, you know, my pin tweet has been never trust the bucks. And so there was always that sense of like, is, is it going to be torn away? It just felt like it would be too fitting for, you know, based on my experience as a fan for this to somehow not work out and for it not to work out in the most painful way possible. And so you know, being at game six, I mean, you know, literally I was like going fist to the sky, cheering on Giannis's first free throw of the game. Like I've never seen a crowd get as quiet and then get as loud for a free throw in the first quarter of a basketball game ever for various reasons. Um, but it was just like, a, I don't know, it was just like a, a collective, you know, just weird emotional sensation to be in that building for game six. And um, I think, you know, with under a minute left when Middleton hits a shot to put them up, I think six. And then they, I think Booker missed a shot. Then it starts to kind of wash over you. Like this, this is really happening. Yeah. The the washing, the washing over is, is the, is the very, like the feelings part that I'm always, I always like think about and you never, you can be like, what am I going to think about when I'm thinking about that? Like, how am I going to feel? Like I'm trying to very like out of body experience is always. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I think with, whenever it was like, I don't think it was when maybe it sort of happened when Giannis, like I think it was with like eight seconds left. Giannis hits the free throw to, to get 50, but you know, it was obvious the Bucks were winning at that point. And, you know, I definitely started to, to tear up and, um, I, there were moments in the, in the days leading up to it where I thought about like, man, this is really lining up. And like, I literally could feel like motion swelling inside me. I'd be like, okay, you can't, 
you can't start weeping about the possibility of your team winning a championship before it happens. Like that would be the ultimate, you know, false start on this. But, um, but yeah, I mean, once, once those last few seconds tick off, I mean, I was, um, you know, openly crying in public. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was kind of what I would hope for. And again, you know, I think, I think, I think it really kind of put into focus too, like, how we experience all this stuff and we experience it as part of a group. We experience it, you know, because we watched it with our dads or with our best friends or, you know, moms, sisters, whatever it is. And so I think that was also one of the big things that, that I took away from, especially kind of part of the aftermath too, because going to like post game parties and seeing people that I've gotten to know only because I, you know, follow the bucks in the way I do. Um, it became a really cool sort of like, you know, like, and the real championship was the friends we made along the way. Oh, like there boy. were some moments like that, you know, where I was like, no, actually it, that's when it's, that's when you want it to get corny though. That's the yeah, time. That's when you want it to get corny. Yeah, yeah. So, so it kind of like also just a reminder of like, Hey, this has been, even though the bucks have sucked for the vast majority of the time that I followed them, um, you know, it's given me this opportunity to, to, to meet you know, a lot of people become friends with people I never would have otherwise. And, and obviously with my, especially my dad, like have this kind of thing that we've always bonded over. And so it was just like kind of a really, just a really amazing kind of capper to, you know, again, kind of 30 years of futility. And honestly, like, I mean, the last, the first 27 were not that stressful because the bucks were never good. You know I mean? The other than the series with your guys in 2001, I mean, and I never thought the bucks were winning a championship that year. I was never like, Oh, they're going to beat the Lakers. I don't know. I just did I never really, I never thought of it that way. So, um, it's really only these last three years and they've been good that it's been really stressful and sort of angsty. So, um, so yeah, it's, it, but it was, it was great. And it was everything that, you know, I would have, would have hoped it to be. And one day, Michael, you will experience the, the same thing. I have, I have an important question about uh, a specific group of Bucks fans that I'm, I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to ask. And I, I have to I have to do uh, talk about one of our sponsors very quickly, a, a beloved sponsor, SeatGeek. And I was mentioning Amos Lee and Mootloo were on tour earlier, so I'm going to go right to the SeatGeek app on my phone and see how I would purchase tickets. So I go to Amos Lee and the September 4th Boulder, Colorado, and see. I look right here in. Uh, what section is this? This is B right row R. It is green, which means it's a good deal. $154 for the pair. That's how it works. Right. And here's a uh, B right row. O is only an okay deal. So it's yellow and a 0.2 score red for row Q. That means it's not a great score. That's how SeatGeek works. It takes all of the ticket websites, which are all confusing and basically meant to fuck you and put you all into one site that is not meant to fuck you, specifically there to tell you what is a good price and what is not a good price. So you only need one ticket app, and that is SeatGeek. That's why it's got over 50,000 five-star reviews, and that's why we support them. It rates the ticket, uh, the, the prices on a scale of 1 to 10, bad to good, and green to red good to bad seat geek and it's got those cool interactive maps so you can look to see where the seats are anyway 20 bucks we're giving you 20 bucks off your first seat geek purchase with code rtrs you can either do it on the website or download the app and use promo code rtrs it is the only ticket app you need for concerts for sporting events for comedy whatever seatgeek.com or the seatgeek app use promo code rtrs okay frank my question is this the paid fan section, the supporter section it, at Bucks Games, do they get to celebrate as much as you do? Or do they just go home like job well done, 
we paid you guys to be super fans for several years. Do they just go home or do they feel like the same thing that you're feeling? I, I don't know when they got rid of them, but there, there definitely were, were not any, uh, uh, definitely were not any, the squad, the, they've had various names, but, uh, but yeah, the, 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 the one time squad six, um, is no, as they have been, uh, pushed out the, uh, out of the picture by the fact that, uh, you know, I, I, cause I bought, I bought, I mean, I paid literally with face value of, seven or fifty dollars for my tickets so yeah okay uh post pandemic no freebie fans uh this game i, I know people who i thought might have gotten free tickets because they actually matter way more than i do and um they also paid for tickets i was like oh wow bucks are just basically saying you got to pay for tickets tonight so yes wow um, imagine that yeah I've, paying I've for never, tickets to the game i've never seen a group of fans more scared of our fans than that group of fans actually uh, uh, an actual basketball question because i was thinking about this as you were coming on tonight i was thinking ah, oh, what do what, what do i want to ask frank is is Giannis like the weirdest best player on a championship team of like the last thirty years? I can't think of a like a less conventional. What do you, what do you player mean by weird? Is it unconventional? Yeah, it's just like, especially given what he was up until these playoffs, where he sort of switched into you know true center slash power forward Giannis. It's just like incredibly unconventional. That's what I mean about weird as a person. He seems actually very normal, but, um, as a player, he seems very weird. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess, you know, weird has a, you know, a, a at least a slight negative connotation that that's not know, how I, I meant it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, I would just, maybe I just say like unique, right? Like I, yeah. I think he is one of those guys that just like, you know, I don't know. Anytime you compare him, you end up saying like, well, he's sort of like, this but then mix with a little bit of that because they're just for him because i mean like people always talked about like shack and i've just always found the shack thing like on the one hand i get it because it's like you know obviously his ability to, to dominate without you know the ability to really stretch the floor and be a threat from the perimeter and obviously in the playoffs he always becomes a, an even worse free throw shooter but um but just stylistically um i always was like well yeah but you know he's 6 and can dribble and pass and play make in ways that like dudes that size can't really do it and i It's kind of hard. I, I kind of wonder how Giannis without the lens of LeBron, because I think when Giannis was sort of becoming a star, I think, and Bucks fans, we did this too. We kind of like wanted to like imprint some of LeBron's um, capabilities, like onto Giannis almost like, like his playmaking, like you, you know, point Giannis and some of this stuff. And LeBron is just, you know, in the history of basketball, just on such a different level from like a playmaking. And I think just the way he kind of, can orchestrate a game that comparing any young player to LeBron just is sort of unfair. Um, and I think it, it kind of obscured the fact that, you know, Giannis is, he, he doesn't have some of those highest end playmaking, um, and just kind of initiate the offense type of skills. Um, but I think as we, especially as we saw as the play, as the playoffs went on his, you know, ability to, you know, be dominant without having to be that sort of conventional type of, you know, yeah. wing initiator, um, you know, in a lot of ways, that's always been used against him because it's, I mean, the, the whole Batman and Robin dialogue and like, well, you can't give him the ball late in games, things like that. But, um, but I think it, I think he showed, especially in the finals that, you know, I mean, he was a monster, you know, and, and, and even in you know game six, I mean, he hit huge shots late in that game and he actually made his free throws as well, which was pretty important. So, yeah, I mean, he's, he's kind of just one of a, one of a kind, one of one. I, I don't know that we'll ever see a guy who really looks and plays like him. 
Um, and I think that's kind of what, what makes him really fun as a player to root for. Uh, and you know, again, I, I think there, there's like, I, I don't know if, um, I don't know who, who originally came up with like the whole like 90, 10 idea, you know, Westbrook, like the 10% yeah. of Westbrook that frustrates you kind of like in some ways, you know, and now it's more than 10%, but you know, even like peak Westbrook, it kind of turned you off maybe a little bit from all the things he did well. And I think Giannis probably suffered from some of that as well, just because of the shooting limitations were so obvious that it kind of made you overlook some of the things that, that he does really well. Um, and you know, again, but just the, the way he, especially in the finals was able to do, um, play his role, play to his strengths in, in such a, you know, completely unstoppable way. Cause that was the other thing. I mean, coming to the series, I thought, well, Jay Crowder frustrated him at times in the Miami series for sure last year. And John Ayton physically matches up with him as well as anybody that he played, played in the playoffs. So I thought maybe the Suns. I mean, the Suns actually have some bodies they can throw at them, but, um, but the fact that he, Ayton had nothing for him, obviously Crowder, nothing for him. And then they really didn't have anybody else they could throw out. I mean, um, it was just yeah. uh, an incredible thing to watch. He had a combination of like length and, and obviously superior athleticism combined with a willingness to do the things that like a lot of guys of his uh, stature aren't willing to like, the screen setting, the rolling, the offensive rebounding. And then like plus some just a real motor that is unparalleled in, in the league. I think it's like even though he wasn't dominant with the ball in his hands, and sometimes was detrimental with the ball in his hands um, and would try to do too much or try to do, try to, you know, for a while in the playoffs, you know, take uh, unnecessarily take shots from the outside, like too early in the shot clock or whatever it is. Um, because he decided to do those other things so well that like he just became dominant in like a very different way. And it was cool to see it. And uh, it was cool to see like, you know, I remember being, because you were at Giannis's first summer league, right? Yeah. 2014. And so and being there with that and then living through the Jabari Wiggins when Jabari also sucked, um, like living through that and like going from like, oh, Giannis is cool. He's actually kind of weird. There's like, look how long and skinny he is to like, oh, he's actually better than Jabari. Oh, he's actually kind of better than everyone. Like going through that and going from like this random kid from Greece, like going there. It's just it's it's very cool. And it feels it feels like all the best parts of being a sports fan when you can really invest in someone's like humanity as well as their growth on the court that like makes you feel like, Oh, I've, I've really like, it's a special like journey through, with them. Yeah. I mean the payoff of, of this specific championship um, and, and obviously you guys can relate just because of, you know, the, the Joel kind of parallels are, yeah. are obvious, right. With being 100%. kind of that, that homegrown star who has taken to the market in ways that, you know, you just dream of superstar players taking to your city yeah. and embracing the city in a way that, that those guys have. Um, and the fact that, you know, like this first championship for Giannis, I mean, they could win three more championships and nothing will ever come close to that first one. Right. Yeah. Because it represented that breakthrough for the franchise, for the city, for him. Right. I think that was the other piece that's just been, you know, when I think about sort of the aftermath of, of the championship is just kind of like just 
uh, just the real, like the, the pressure release for not just the, the players and you know, Mike Budenholzer and, and the people around the organization, but just for fans too. I mean, just, just that impending sense of dread that like, Oh, bad things are just always going to happen to us. And, you know, we can never just really, and you know, we just can't have nice things. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, now you're on the other side of it. Like you, like you're going to be going into a, a season where you obviously want to win another championship where you are in like a, like, I guess I can't, say like don't trust the bucks or like i guess i can't say like <laughs> where you know this always happens to us because like you you need like at least five to ten years of like it's fine <laughs> whatever happens we got like we got one like right you do you feel yeah. that like you have to recalibrate yourself in there yeah i mean i think I always think of like Dallas fans, you know, after Dirk won the title in 2011. I mean, Dirk was further. I mean, he was he was definitely obviously older than than Giannis yeah. was um, in in this case. Right. So, I mean, that was more of like the unexpected title that, you know, t- 2006 was probably the title Dirk should have won. That would have been maybe the more the more obvious parallel. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, just the way that you know, especially in the parallels, right. I mean, having, and you guys have it too. I mean, there was something interesting about having a guy who's an international player who doesn't come with like, almost like the baggage of like Philly being like this or Milwaukee, you know, like I think, I don't think it's a coincidence that these guys have embraced these cities and the people of these cities and the ways they have, because they're, they're not from America and maybe they don't have, again, baggage may not be the right word, but they kind of, you know, like Giannis, like, notions. yeah, yeah. They kind of came with an, with an open mind, right. About, um, about what these places could be for them. And especially for Giannis, I mean, obviously the, his journey is just, you know, so extreme in terms of like, literally, you know, like whatever a year before he ends up in Milwaukee, you know, he's, he's literally just trying to make ends meet with his family. And, you know, it's just, it's just so extreme. And, and so, um, I think that journey with Giannis, yeah, I mean, you know, as a, as a Wisconsin sports fan, we've had, you know, Brett Favre winning a Super Bowl. We've had Aaron Rodgers winning a Super Bowl. Um, but, but you look across like, you know, the broad sort of spectrum of sports and just the connections between a city and an athlete and the meaning that that has then ascribed to winning a championship for, you know, everybody around that. Um, I'm, I'm sure there are some that are, you know, in that ballpark, like I said, the Dirk one comes to mind in part because they suffered more, right. They kind of had to go through a longer period and they had, they thought they missed their window before they eventually won the title. Um, that's probably the obvious one I always think of. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's just a really special thing. And it it kind of, and I mean, you could say like, well, LeBron going back to Cleveland and winning in Cleveland, um, maybe has some parallels, but you know, LeBron had won two championships at that point too. So it kind of just kinda like it's recalibrating your sense of self, like in a weird way of how you think about like this part of your life. Like I'm a loser. I'm a loser because I like this loser team. And then they win one and they're like, well, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm good. Maybe I'm not, a, maybe I don't suck it, it, as much as I had thought I did. It, it is weird. It is weird. This feeling of like, especially because I mean, people like us, we donate, you know, we, we don't well, donate primary, but we, we put so much of our, psychic energy towards talking about thinking about investing emotionally into a team um and putting it on like for such public display as well uh that you know it it does feel like like you've won something with them right i mean oh, maybe that's yeah. just the, that's just the core of the fan experience right like, frank not- the, we're calling this a process championship because drew won one like <laughs> yeah the, we we count this yeah it wasn't yeah. even ours 
I mean, Christian Wood was a process sixer who then right. was a process buck. Maybe Chris Middleton and- <laughs> feels feels like he should have been one of ours. He feels like he should have been our guy. He should have, should have been, should have been, yeah. Um, and Dante DiVincenzo, you know, Delmarva Peninsula, uh, of Pride of Delaware. I don't know. Right. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't know enough about. Pennsylvania, Philly, and how you guys claim uh, Delawareans or whatever it depends called, but... on how good they are. Like <laughs> all, you, all you need to do is look at Mike Trout, who's from like sixty miles away at, in New Jersey, and everybody's like, he's from Philly. You know, <laughs> so it's just it depends. And you yeah. go to Villanova, and I guess you know all all yeah, that that papers over a lot too. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I, and I've never been. Um, I've never been one of these people who says like, oh, fans can't say we like you. Know, you can't you're not on the team you're not we it's like i'm i'm way more invested in the bucks than friggin elijah bryant or sam merrill or you know whoever right, right. your boy sam merrill like right. um you know okay i'm i'm wasn't they're literally parts of the team they know this team better than i do they win championship rings i don't but um but i think yeah i mean in terms of like what it what it means to you and you know just like this broader group of people that you've been a part of and invested i mean it, there's no comparison right i mean the fans are, are always sort of the constant and um you know, I think, and it's, it's kind of funny because I was thinking about it, you know, with the Nets being like the new favorites in, in the East, it's, it's kind of funny. Cause part of me is just like, you know, and like, you know, Nets fans, it's kind of weird, right? Like the, the Twitter discourse, right. And I, I admit, I'm sure Bucks fans are, you know, going to be pretty insufferable, um, or at least a large proportion of us, but, um, but it's kind of weird. Cause I was thinking like, like, man, I've gone through so much. It's like the Nets, what have Nets fans gone through? Like if you're an old New Jersey Nets fan, like yeah. how, many, how many old New Jersey Nets fans are there? Like, they, they, So I'll, I'll tell you. So I work with a, a couple of them now, one specifically now. And I will say that the ones who went through that deserve this. Like, like Evan Roberts, I work at WFAN and our, our afternoon show host is like, was a Jersey Nets fan. Um, and I know a guy who hosts a Nets podcast, this guy, Keith, and he was a Jersey Nets fan and like talk about feeling fucking disrespected, <laughs> like just in general, here's a team that went to two straight like finals. Um, but just like nobody gave a fuck just like in the middle of nowhere. And then they moved to Brooklyn and nobody gave a fuck. So I agree. There's probably this weird split of like whatever this new Nets fan is, but like the ones that dealt with it definitely fucking dealt with it like like are, are definitely definitely excited so uh, i'll i'll give them some respect the yeah. like james harden stands who you know yes. just i mean those people can you know be be put on a rocket and shot into space as far as i'm agreed. concerned agreed. agreed um and especially as a bucks fan you know mind you my you know i married into a family from houston and my wife i mean she watched literally like most rockets games like four or five years ago. I mean, she would just watch on league pass. And, um, and then, uh, so, I mean, I, I watched too. And I mean, I liked James Harden for a while. I, I at least appreciated his game. And then he got too salty about Giannis winning MVPs. And I was just like, all right, uh, yeah, you know, fuck that guy. And, uh, and then this year, man, to, to, to beat the nets. And obviously you can say like, well, he wasn't full strength, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? The fact that, you know, James Harden, has to cry about, you know, make it and, and say, well, we would have won if we're healthy and all this, whatever else he's saying. Like that just was such a nice capper. Like just some of the, some of the wins along the way, like the, the Bucks revenge tour, you know, Bogdanovich, like that whole like saga. And then the fact that you beat the team that he goes to, um, you know, the fact that's that a weird you, thing. You say it was such a weird thing. And 
you know, vanquishing the heat after they'd beaten you the year before Big time. being able to beat Harden when, you know, there's such a weird dynamic between him and Giannis. Um, and now he's going to have to be in Milwaukee on ring night, uh, on opening night. Oh, it's nice. like, okay, maybe, that's nice for you. You know, if they, if they, if it's like, whatever, if the Nets win, it's like, you know, Nets fans was like, Oh, but it's like, who cares? Championship, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it. uh, there were, there were all those, there are all those kind of positive, legitimately warm, fuzzy reasons to feel great about the championship. And then there's also kind of the petty stuff that, you know, is also a nice sort of side, side piece to it, you know? And I, I always think back actually, Mike, I was thinking about it. Um, actually I started thinking about it like right before the Bucks won. I was like, Oh man, if the Bucks win, I, I thought of when you guys, what, what did you call it? When you, you, but you guys went back to all the people that had shit talked the process and basically just started putting them on blast. I forget I, what you had a name for it. What was it called? Retweet Armageddon. Retweet Armageddon. Yeah. Yeah. And there you go. And I was kind of like, all right, Bucks, you know, dig up all the stuff that people <laughs> said, which, you know, has. It's a lot less. You feel, decade, I but. feel like once you win, then it's just like, well, we don't need to do that. We're happy now. We <laughs> needed to do it at a time where like, yeah. we're gonna, it's gonna happen. And it's what a weird time we, we chose to do it. Um, the quick bud question, cause I think bud and, Doc Rivers are slightly slimmer in the sense that they like seem like stubborn guys that win a lot of games that like up until, I mean, both of them have one championship. Obviously Doc's head coaching career is longer at this point. Uh, so thus filled with a lot more disappointment um, just by volume. Are there things that like you were, you know, like hoping that the front office would do in a certain way to like tie Bud's hands so he couldn't play to his worst instincts. Like his, what, what his natural, like if he like right now, the Sixers signed Andre Drummond, it's a minimum contract, but it's Andre Drummond and doc is going to play. Loves him his backup that's, center. Yeah. that's what he does. Yes. And, and Sixers fans, even before doc have just been drowning in stiff, unswitchable, not stretchable, backup fives and we're just like very very upset about it because then you're doc's gonna play him he's like he's going to play him and were there things that like you were hoping for that to happen with bud and either the front office obliged or didn't oblige or or bud adjusted what what was was there anything like that i mean i think the fact that they went all in on drew last not summer but fall i guess uh and you know, in the process, they lost a lot of their depth. I mean, it was kind of like a half joking thing, but it was kind of like, well, Bud's going to have to play players because like, we just don't have that many dudes to play anymore. Yeah. Um, and so I think that was something we saw for sure in the playoffs. And, you know, I mean, I, I give Bud some credit. I mean, you know, I, I think as much as he, he never, I mean, he had a, an interview with Zach Lowe um, a week or two ago, and it was interesting. He, he, he really didn't take Zach's bait uh, to sort of no. like say, see, I made adjustments and yeah, you know, whatever. He really didn't, he really didn't do that. Um, and I was like, man, that was his, you know, retweet Armageddon moment, right. To, to, to kind of stick it at people. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, he started actually playing after the first couple of games of the heat series last year, he actually then, he just like ran Middleton into the ground the last two games of that series. So it's like, mm -hmm. I don't, again, I don't know if it was like, you know, ownership or front office were like, dude, you know, are you freaking kidding me playing these dudes 34 minutes in a playoff game? But, uh, but I think having less depth, I think was a forcing mechanism to really lean hard on their best players. Um, I think acquiring PJ 
was probably also a bit of a forcing mechanism. I mean, they literally didn't have, you know, they got rid of Robin Lopez. Well, he left, Robin Lopez left. So they really didn't have a true backup center. It was like, you know, Bobby Portis, Giannis, and PJ Tucker. Those are your backup five options beyond Brook Lopez. So um, they also, I think, kind of like it was very obvious that, you know, they were going to have to go smaller if they wanted to do different things. But I give Bud credit. I mean, they experimented throughout the year. I can't say that, like, they clearly figured it out during the year. I mean, you know, Tucker came in late in the season, had some injuries. They had a negative differential with PJ Tucker on the floor last year. I think, I think in the regular season, I think they were like, had like a 120 defensive rating with PJ on the floor in the regular season. So they clearly had not figured it out by the time the playoffs came around. But, you know, um, you just got to keep winning. You got to win enough, <laughs> you have enough, to win, exactly. enough games, and then no one cares about various lineup yeah. construction situations. All right. We but just I, need to Celtic pride some, some backup centers <laughs> away from doc. Just but I, I will, I will say, I mean, going into game seven in the net series, I, I, I did think, well, either we win game seven and it's amazing to, to beat, you know, KD in a seven game series on the road for Giannis to beat, you know, those guys, that would be awesome. Or Bud's going to get fired. And that was yeah. like kind of what I told myself I was like, well, you know, Bud who, I mean, offensively they looked, that was like, you know, the ugliest they looked all playoffs in that net series. And that was probably the most frustrating series. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I was absolutely like feeling like, well, you know, like they're gonna have no choice but to go a different direction. And again, it's not to say like Bud's a terrible coach or something like that, or that the the guy between door number one was going to be better than Bud or something like that. I mean, at the time, Rick Carlisle was available. So that was part of the reason also why I felt like, man, there's some urgency to get a proven guy who's actually won a championship. Um, but like some random assistant, like, is that guy going to come in and win a championship sure. next year and Nick nurse it? Like, I had no idea. So, you know, yeah, I mean, again, it's just, you just know, never know small things happen. And now, Bud is, you know, the toast of a town is a three extension. He's a championship coach. I mean, there you go. It's small things. I, I felt the same it's thing like about this game seven of the Hawks series was either the Sixers win in advance or I will just lay flat on my face um, and stop breathing for several days at a time. And so that was the <laughs> nice relief in that as well. Congratulations to Coach Bud, but he is not the toast of any town. I just, I just would like to say that. He's just, he doesn't have the sizzle. He's just he's not a toast of the town kind of guy. You know, He was, he was shotgunning. In the you know during the parade and so yes yeah, not really toasting but but sloppily <laughs> shotgunning beers that's maybe that's the fine. better the better way that's to even think better. About it, yeah frank we i feel happiness for you um i feel resentment toward myself uh for not experiencing it uh and obviously the sixers and in many ways always but i do feel happy for you and you earned it and bucks fans earned it and this has to feel really, really cool. And uh, just, just big fan, big fan, but yeah. Well, and I only I appreciate one, it, Mike. I, only one, I pre- only one. Let's keep it at one. I, <laughs> I appreciated that. Uh, I, I, I enjoyed the pod you guys did, kind of reflecting on what kind of the Bucks, you know, title, you know, meant for for the Sixers and things like that. And I appreciated the shout out, Mike, um, because we we are brothers in in you know. Agony process, loser, loser mindset, whatever. Um, <laughs> my team was worse than yours in the first year of the process. A lot of that's right. That. Say um, it as loud as you can all the time. Worse than, than you. <laughs> yeah. And we didn't, we didn't catch nearly the flack that, that you guys did. No. Um, but yeah, no, it was, and, and I, I was thinking of you after that, I was just kind of like, you know, just kind of reminding me, I mean, again, like you just never know. And I think people, people tend to, I think view these titles after they happen, like more deterministically than they are. Like, of course. Well, that happened. So therefore it was, that was always a 
Exactly. I think Bucks people with the Bucks, I think realized that there was sliding doors moments at a number of points, but Durant's big toe. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and I think, uh, it just sort of underscores like, I mean, if, you know, the Sixers have things go slightly differently in round two, no, you don't need to make us feel better, Frank. It's okay. No, I mean, but, fine. but it's, 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 it's fine. You, you'll be fine, Michael. Um, Joel, as long as you keep the big guy healthy, I think uh-huh. that's the thing. So you just, every, you just need to be good enough to have a chance. Right. And then yeah. you just get enough, get enough cracks at it. And hopefully one year you break through and this, this year was the bucks and it was amazing. So, Amen. um, good luck to you, buddy. I'm at least happy you have the Eagles, you know? Sure. Yeah. That, that'll sure. be great. <laughs> Past tense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Thank you, Frank. All right. Thanks, thanks guys. See you, well, Frank just is, uh, just tries to be nice about everything. Oh, Frank's still there. <laughs> He's figuring I'm trying, it out. I'm trying to leave, guys. I'm, yeah, I'm well, you know, nice life. about everything. It's all good. All right. um, Godspeed. Godspeed. We, uh, we thank you for listening. Um, Mike is uh, at a bachelor party this weekend. Are we allowed That's right. to say it? All right. It's been a, so, been a busy month. This is, an off, this is the off-season month. This yeah. is the next one. Um, but we will talk to you after that. So thanks for Frank for coming on and uh, thanks to you for listening. Are God, you it'll, be, it'll be nice if the Sixers ever win a championship. Yeah. I do think about like that moment a lot and think, and if I like, could, I actually like, live in the moment of it. And I don't know that I ever could, cause I'll just have the context of it. will and all the things that happened before it will just be too great. It'll be it's a powerful certain, force. Certainly be a wonderful end of the story. You know, certainly. Yeah. Would. If I, if I died right there. Yeah. <laughs> Sixers win championship. Mike dies seconds later. Uh, and I'm left to do the, the pod by myself. Just talking to CJ. I think there's a decent chance that you could just film my corpse and like my body would make some sounds or something. <laughs> do you think Alyssa would allow that? Just put the camera on him. Just, uh, just tilt it down. On. It's fine. <laughs> Where's he going? All right. We'll talk to you next time. Are you done with GTP? Yeah, you know Lickface. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you! That's a friend.